it's good to be here. There's moments, though, and, and I don't want to miss this moment. How many of you have said, man, I've been rescued, and, it's, and my eyes have been open. And it's not one time. It's, it's just this continual journey, and it was so beautiful the way they led us. Amen? Hey, don't take for granted worship. Don't take for granted what you have. I could pivot real quick, and I don't think I will, but... And I, I'll just say this. I don't know what they had in mind a few years ago uh, when Joe talked to me and said, Brian, I think there's a twinkling in his eye about starting a church. And I said, I... Let's go through a process, and we did, and he and Laura, and then a team, and everything was just happening, and God opened. I don't know what God had in mind, but I was listening today, and then just being with you, and I think God smiles. Right? It's just, and it's not because we're one expression here of this church of Sarasota, Amen. This is just an expression of the bigger church. And this is a beautiful expression. I don't know what he had in mind, but I'm thankful that you're part of it. Amen? Yeah. Amen, man. Uh, I am visiting, so, um, man, I've always shared this with people when I pastored. Always visit three times. Always visit a church three times. Right, Randy? Amen. And also, I'm pinch hitting, so if I tick you off. I'm not coming back. So <laughs> Joe will be here next week. It's important that Joe and Laura have time to rest. Sometimes even reflect and grieve. It's important that you as a body shepherd them too. Keep doing it. Take care of the team. Take care of the pastors. But all of you are co-pastors and co-priests. And so that's what I love about this uh, journey here is that, man, they, they believe that you are to be co-priests too. And um, I'm thankful for that. So yeah, visit three times. And if you're mad, just email him, not me. And, <laughs> um, and also anymore, I don't preach much anymore to tell you the truth. I fill pulpits, but I, um, I don't preach much anymore. Really where I'm at in life, I'm almost 60, um, is I just want to share with what's going on in my life, and you might, you might pick and choose something that I might go, be going through, but I'm, I'm really just, I, I just, anymore in life, I just want to share where God's had me recently or even over the last few years. And um, so sometimes it's just therapy for me, is to talk it, process it out loud, let you know where I'm on my journey, and you might go, that had nothing to do with me, which is cool, but maybe one of you would walk away going, wow, that had something to do with me, but I, I don't want to preach at you or even teach at you. I just want to share with you through Scripture where God's got me. <clears throat> I believe if I'm a Christ follower that I live a countercultural, counterintuitive, and awkward life. Right? 
If I'm a Christ follower, I'm countercultural, counterintuitive, don't believe what I feel, do the opposite, and it's awkward. <laughs> but if I'm following the ways of a lot of people, I'm pretty sure I'm not following Jesus. Even Christian. I have a little video I'll show you and I'll tell you why. Maybe. One hundred three morning show and our question this morning on Facebook about new math versus old math has sparked such a debate that we thought we'd take a minute to show you from what we can see how the new math works. All right, from what we can see, old math would take something like 37 minus 16, and we break it down like this. 6 minus 7 is 1, 3 minus 2 is 21. The new math, which seems to be a little bit different, would take that same question and break it down like this. Take the lower number and add something simple to get it to a multiple of 10. Now we've got 20. Let's add 10 to that to get it to 30. Now that we've got 30, we've got 7 to go to get to 30, which takes us to 37, which is a, the big number we want to reach. Now we add these four numbers together, and we get 17, 21. Same answer, different methods. Be the judge. All right. Yeah. How many of you know how to do new math? Amen. Usually in a crowd like this, we will have one or two that know new math. That's crazy, isn't it? I suggest to you to follow Jesus as new math. Listen. To follow Jesus is new math. For me, I've realized that I've, I can easily start going back to old math and Jesus said, I've not come to abolish the law, I've come to fulfill it. My kingdom is different, Brian, than what you've got in your mind. I've got a new life for you and a new way to live and, and, and it's going to be totally different than what American Christianity is, um, what the world does, what culture is. Brian, I'm calling you to a new place and a new walk with me because it's new math. Now, this is me, not you. So I started thinking about this word posture. Um, do you know that 55% of all communication is your body language? 38% is tone of voice, and 7% are your words. Let me say that again. Communication is 55% is your body language. And I, I read rooms real well, and I'm not doing well right now, just to let you know. Um, no, just kidding. 38% um, is your tone of voice, and 7% are your words. And in fact, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, your actions are speaking so loud I can't hear you. And so... I really began thinking about my life saying, man, is, is the posture in my life so different that 
first of all, people would consider me a bit crazy because that's what they thought Jesus was, his followers in the first century church. Or am I pretty just normal? Is my life a salt and a flavor and an aroma, so much so that even though people don't know Jesus, they might get to know Jesus a little bit just because of their interaction with me. These are the things I've been going through probably over the last two or three years. There's this passage that I'd like to share with you today, and it's, it's, it's also a very well-known passage, and it's found in John chapter 8. If you've come into a church and been brought up in a church, you most likely know it. What's interesting is a lot of our culture knows this story as well. And so I just like to read it and then just kind of talk about it because it's really challenging for me. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, caught in the act of adultery, in the law of Moses has commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, and the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman. Still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. Amen. Amen. And this is the word of the Lord. It's interesting that the Pharisees caught her in the act of adultery. Now, today it's kind of easy, you know, with the Apple devices and the, and the videos and the PIs and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of easy to keep, uh, catch people in sin. But back then, isn't it interesting that they caught her in sin? You ever wonder how they caught her? Now, this is extra Bible, and, and Joe will kick me out for saying these things, but I'm going to go here on some of this stuff, okay? And it's extra Bible, and it's me thinking out loud. My thought is, they, they set this girl up. She's a, she's a prostitute. She's a woman. She's really not that high on the pecking order in first century. And so they set her up for this act to catch her. This is just my thought. It'd be really hard to keep, you know, catch people in the act without setting them up. By the way, where's the man? He didn't pay. He got paid, but he didn't pay. It's interesting to watch Jesus as he gets down in the dirt. See, did you see things that happened? He began to posture. 
He postured himself. He got down in the dirt. We were created from dirt, weren't we? He's used to dirt, Jesus. He was born in a manger. Jesus was familiar with dirt because for the teenage years and in his 20s, he was a construction worker. But if you see, many theologians believe he was a block mason. He was a, a rock builder. He was in dirt. He understands dirt. It's interesting, the Pharisees tended not to be associated with dirt. And I believe Jesus actually spoke about this and really wants to, us to understand when he got in the dirt, there's symbolism here as well. But, but he was used to dirt. He even wiped off the feet of the dirty sandals of his, of his disciples. He was used to dirt. I don't know about what you think about this, but I think positioning was important on Jesus. Now, it's not here, but I'm, I'm just going to guess some things. If the Pharisees are here and the woman caught in adultery is there, I don't think Jesus was in the sound booth. Where do you think he is? He's daggone in the middle. I can't imagine him being any other place than in the middle. See, it's life's about posture. To me, life is about posture. And how do I posture myself? And then he went down into the sand and he began to write something. Two things I want to find out when I want to go to heaven. Paul, what's your thorn? And Jesus, what did you write in the sand? I know there's big questions, but I'm so simple-minded. I'm just like, I need to know. He's in between the Pharisees and the woman because in his fully man, fully God moment, he said, you're not going to get to her unless you go through me. Yeah. And so Jesus showed this posture where he actually goes down, goes back up, goes down, and goes back up. There, I believe he was in these moments of... 55% of body language, 38% tone of voice, and 7%. I think there's a moment and a movement here that he's doing. But he was in between them. He went down and he wrote something in the dirt. I wonder what he wrote. You know, people guess. But I wonder, right? It's not even a theory. It's just a thought. I wonder if while he was in the sand, he looked around and he's like, hey, hey, Scotty, you got a big stone there. And he wrote your name down and he just started going, oh, all your sins. Huh. Randy, I see you here too with the big stone too. And he wrote his name down and he looked around and he just started seeing all those Pharisees with stones and he just started writing their name down and knowing all their sins, he just started putting them in the sand. I just wonder. And the oldest one dropped their stones first. Why? 
because they had a longer list. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but what I do know is this. He protected the heart, the soul of a woman that had never been protected before. What, what he did was saying, I'm going to bring value to someone that has never felt value. I'm going to protect someone that this world and religion has never protected. I'm going to, I'm going to get in the way of what you're about ready to do, but if you're going to do it, you're going to do me before you do that. See, I, I think I've got to start understanding that who I think who Jesus loves is different more than what I think and who I think I love. Maybe he was called friend of sinners for a reason. And religious people hate that about him. And may I even say there's a lot of Christians that hate that about Jesus. Is that he was a friend of sinners. Can I share with you the mission statement of Jesus found in Luke chapter 4? And it's actually out of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This, this, is, this is what I'm sharing with you. These are not symbolisms. These are not allegories. This is who Jesus said I'm after. The kingdom of God looks different than the way you think, Brian. And they include people that you tend to judge. And Brian, maybe you need to understand in your life, in your heart, that you might think that you have the right to judge. It's so easy to judge. It's so easy to hate. It's so easy for me, if I did Facebook, I don't anymore. It's so easy that I would condemn people and then go a few lines down and find prayers. I love you, Jesus. That's what I would do. Hammer people because they're politically not the way I think. And then, but go down a little bit and you'll find me. I love Jesus and all this. That's me. That would be me. Not that you do this. That's such a religious in that religion at its height? Not that you have this is me processing out loud. Because that's what's dark inside of me. Is the very people that I wouldn't that I would judge, Jesus would say, through me first. And you don't want to know what's going on in my mind right now. On who I would judge. See, that's the radical Jesus. Come on. That's what Jesus shows us in the scriptures. And we want to make it a different character. What I'm concerned about me is this, that I've made a caricature of Jesus that doesn't exist. That I've made him something different than who he is because this is who he is. Then he stands up. And maybe for the first time in her life, 
she sees love in a man's eyes. And he wasn't stooping for a reason because he wanted his body language to be better because she, he wanted her to be restored even with his eyes. And he said... Women, where are they? Can you imagine that moment of shame that she's felt all of her life? Has no one condemned you? They're gone. And the one man God that has created earth and had every right to condemn her, if there's one person that had a right to condemn her at that moment, it's Jesus. And he said, then I don't condemn you. And I don't know where you're at with Jesus in here, but I'm just talking to you. That's Jesus. He had every holy and just right to condemn her. I don't, but Jesus did. And he didn't condemn her. Come on. I'm just going, Brian, what right do I have to condemn people? I know there's a lot of people who go, get to the last verse, Brian. Religious people love this one. Get to the last verse. Okay, we're, now we're going to do it. Now go sin no more. I'm not going to forget it. Because that's what we freaking do to people. Except people are so beaten up. So I've been processing it. And just saying, really, what right do I have to judge? Condemn? Hate? Makes me feel so much better when I'm on top, though, with power. My righteousness. But Jesus didn't condemn her. Um, my wife and I are about ready to celebrate uh, 30 years, and um, amen, yeah. I've known Marlene and Darlene and her family since we were seven. We had a class of 112, so when I tell you that we know each other, we've known each other in the family for many, many years, 43 years, 53 years. Um, when we got married, I didn't realize how crazy they were, but they're crazy. And if they were sitting here, I'd say the same thing. Um, Mennonite background. At every Thanksgiving, we uh, throw a party. And we invite our neighbors. And anyone who doesn't have a place to go for Thanksgiving, we all come together and do a, a big Mennonite uh, lunch. And it's big. People fly in from Indiana and Virginia, and we'll have 80 to 120 at this get-together. 
And it's quite a group. Um, far left, far right, independent, vaxxed, unvaxxed, uh, lifestyles. Um, um, just name some more and we've got them. One day dad flew down before he passed away and we're in a circle like we always do and we're explaining to each other um, uh, who we are, how we got here and we're going around and I said, now that couple over there that's holding hands, they're, they're divorced. And he's like, what? wait a minute. If, I, know, I know dad, they're best friends, they got divorced, but just keep going around the circle. And then we go around the circle and now she's divorced from him and this is his new family. And he's like, Judas Priest, Brian, what is going on here? And I said, you know, Dad, I don't know. Once you're a Delagrange, you're always a Delagrange. There's so much love and grace. If you want to be part of the family, even though you left it, you're welcome back. It's an unbelievable family. And um, last Thanksgiving, mom had a stroke the day after Thanksgiving, and she was in the hospital, and my wife, Marlene, was in there. And um, there's, a, there's a really cool uh, Russian man, um, and Andre 680 played on the 1980s Russian volleyball team, Olympic teams, and he'd, he'd come with his daughter all the time to our Thanksgiving get-together, and Leroy, my brother-in-law, would just keep him updated with regards to mom. And so my, my wife did a video of my mother, and this is her in the hospital. First word. You're going to have to turn it up. The first word, the Lord is my... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod may comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. So one day Leroy was saying, how's mom? And so he showed him that video when mom died on January 6th this year. Andre came up and said, Brian, Viola is the top three women I've ever met in my life worldwide. <clears throat> Made such a huge difference. And you think, That's it. thank you, Andre, it's beautiful. And I went up and preached a sermon and I came back. And then Andre came back and said this. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He doesn't even know God. He doesn't know God. But because of Viola Delagrange's and Amos's love to him, 
he wanted to mimic and learn what Viola knew. So I said, you know, Andre, the shepherd, it's Jesus. Just keep going after him. Just keep following him. Didn't you close the deal, Brian? Nah. And I was driving to the, the funeral in the cemetery, and I was driving by myself, and the Lord just said, Hey, Brian, is there anyone that knows you that would memorize a verse because you've showed them me in such a way that they just want to mimic you? to get to know me? Is there anyone, Brian, that is far from me, but because they're close to you, that you are pointing them to me, and they're just on their journey so much so that they would do something so crazy, but because of your love for them, they would want to get to know me? Let's pray. Father God, man, in life, it's a journey, and I thank you for the, the worship and the praise that we've had today, remembering that you are a rescuer. Um, you are full of grace and mercy, and when we are pursuing you, we fall down, but we get back up. Oh, God, that we would be known for what we love and what we hate. Oh, that we would be followers of you rather than just believers in you. God, that we would move our intellectualism to our feet and to our heart. And that we would be a people that are so radical and crazy that we would love the unlovable. And maybe just grow a little more to look like you, Jesus. And we just kind of lift this all up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Hey, be blessed.